Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined as always by the man voted most likely to eat a sandwich, Jason oh, Johnston Yellen. You're so right. <laughs> right. You are so right. I just thought this about myself on Saturday. I thought, I'm having a sandwich right now. Uh-huh. This was, you know, lunchtime. Mm. And, I, and I thought to myself, I could have a sandwich for dinner. Yeah. And, and I didn't. But then I got to Sunday and I thought, oh, I, could really, I could really go for a sandwich. Sunday, sandwich, Sunday. Right? Was it one of was those that- days? Just another sandwich Sunday. That's my fun day. What else do we have? Every day is like sandwich Sunday. All I can think of is mayonnaise, and I can't get anything oh, to rhyme with mayonnaise. No, no, you don't do that. No one uses mayonnaise on a on a sandwich. I don't think. So personally, I don't. I, I'm not a mayonnaise no. person, but I know there are people who absolutely love mayonnaise on I a used, sandwich. Absolutely I love it. I used to. Back in grammar school, my mother, my favorite sandwich was roast beef and mayonnaise, which sounds like a, a horrific combination. It, it, for a host of reasons. <laughs> uh, but, but I loved it. Like, I couldn't get enough. Like, pff, lay, it, lay it on. Oh, okay. Lay it on me, baby. Oh yeah. no! For for us, and this is for all the all of our overseas listeners here. Salad cream, Heinz salad cream. Oh, is that like Miracle Whip? No, 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 no. No, people are going to throw their sandwiches in the air when I say this. <laughs> salad cream, to me, is a cousin of ranch more than it's got anything to do with Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip is. All kinds of wrong. Salad cream is much more of a an approachable condiment than miracle. So isn't whip. ranch basically like mayonnaise with tartar sauce, or is that Thousand Island? Uh, no, you, uh, ranch is buttermilk, uh, buttermilk based. Okay, and then Thousand Island is essentially what ketchup. No, meets. that's French dressing. Maybe ketchup and mayonnaise is oh, French dressing. What's Russian dressing then? I don't, I don't talk about the Russians these days, Jason. So I don't. No right. <laughs> <laughs> how, do we get, how do we get from <laughs> sandwiches to the war in Ukraine in three minutes? Like wow! Oh, gosh, I'm Ooh. putting a sanction well, on this conversation right now, Jason. So let me yeah. let me. So you have thought about me with sandwiches, and you have you have. You've got me mm. correct. I'm all in mm. on sandwiches. But I was, I was reading a book uh, a week ago. The book is called Braiding Sweetgrass. It's written by a Native American woman uh, who's also a PhD uh, ecologist. Mm. Absolutely fascinating book. And as I'm, as I'm reading through it, I encountered the word windrow. Windrow. Can you spell it? So take the word window yeah. oh. and put an R windrow. in it. Windrow. Right. And as I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, hmm, I haven't encountered a typo anywhere in this book. Obviously, when I see typos, I think of Joshua Hatton. Okay. And, and I think, <clears throat> and I, think I, haven't, I haven't seen any typos along the way here. And now Windrow has shown up when it must be Windrow. My point being, I'd never encountered the word Windrow in yeah. my life, in my cream puff, as we say in Scotland. And so I, I did what anybody does reading on, a, on an iPad device nowadays. 
I pressed my finger to Windrow to get a definition of it. You're going to like this. So, spoiler, it wasn't a typo. It's a real, live, kicking, breathing word. Okay. Windrow. So, you know when you're driving in your car and you drive by some fields and the farmer has recently cut, whether it be wheat or straw or hay or what what, what it happens to be, barley, gosh. (laughs) And then as you're going, you see the rows of of the cut yeah. grass just running through the yeah. field. Those lines are windrows. That's interesting. So is it I found it was a windrow to a whole new world. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh, that was so painful. Oh that was like the worst build up to the worst punchline. <laughs> it would have been better if you just said like and I thought they were gonna say Windrow Wilson Ex-president, which is Woodrow. Anyway. Wow. Painful. Listeners. I didn't even plan that pun. That just came to me as I was talking to you. Listeners, on behalf of of everyone here at J&J Spirits headquarters, (laughs) uh, I apologize for my partner's terrible, terrible pun. But but is it but isn't that great, right? So so think of us in whiskey, think of barley, think of the harvest. Right. Think of these rows of of cut grass species, and it's a windrow. Do you think "Stairway to Heaven" would be a different song if there was a bustle in your windrow instead of your hedgerow? It would, because to me, it would speak to the manipulation of man and the environment, mm. as opposed to the naturally <laughs> forming hedgerow. Okay. You asked me a question, I gave you an answer. (laughs) (sighs) You know what I like about today's guest, Jason? Yeah. Well, tons of things. Tons and tons and tons Tons of things. Tons of things. What are you you thinking of in particular? the actual person aside, I always like it when... (laughs) Which which I never want to say, right? But... But I like it. I always like it when we take just just a little bit of a detour from whiskey. When we're able to have conversations around subjects that may circle whiskey, maybe whiskey adjacent, and and I would argue that drawn art is not necessarily whiskey adjacent. However, drawn art in the case of single cask nation is essential. To, to who who we are and, and, and what we've become. And, and, you know, we've said it in our interview with our dear friend, Mo McAuliffe, who, you know, who I've known for 20-some-odd <laughs> years and, and love her dearly, uh, that we don't think we would be where we are if it weren't for her eye and her art and, and her hands. And that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's interesting that you pitch it the way you're currently pitching it because I think as you look at any bottle of whiskey, it must by law have a label and that label, I would say nine and a half times out of ten, has been in front of an artist of some description, a designer of some description. I, I think labels are so ubiquitous, we tend to not see them. Unless they're really stand out. But you and I know with this company, we've spent a decade plus 
looking over tons and tons and tons of labels, even simply looking at government health warnings or font choices or positioning of 750ml, 700ml, 70cl, right? Like, we've really looked at labels in minute detail. But I think what Mo has delivered in the Woodcut series, the Whiskey Jubilee bottlings, and of course the the 24-year-old unnamed bourbon, is she's taken the label from the background and really brought it to the foreground. Well, yeah, I... That, that's a good point. You know, there's there's no label that has gone onto a bottle that hasn't had some sort of a designer's eye saying, this is how we're going to lay it out, right? Like I... I'm, I'm going to stick to 99.5%. <laughs> but I like the way that you say it where she's she's gone the, the flip way, right? If... And and I'm not trying to say anything bad. I feel like this is a, you know I, this is every episode. I, like I'm not trying to say anything bad. I don't want this to come across the wrong way. I don't want to offend anybody. And then it all leads to but. And then we get your my, statement. My point is, if you take if you take a classic series like you know Gordon McPhail Connoisseur's Choice, it's always been a very plain, approachable label where you could read the details, open the bottle and drink and the purpose of it was not to to gawk at the label but to gawk and admire gawk at and admire the delicious whiskey in the bottle right and and so the artistic aspect of it was not always evident to the consumer maybe evident to the designer and maybe that was the goal like i'm not here to like stand out i'm here to say what the whiskey is and and let people enjoy the whiskey mm-hmm. right where in the case of Moe's art, it was the combination of the two. It was, we're bottling great whiskey, but we want some sort of artwork to pop, to, to capture one's eye, to capture one's imagination. And that's where you don't always see that happening. Now, granted, more and more you are seeing it. I remember 10 plus years ago, you know, you had David Stirk with his Bird series, Right, which I thought was mm, fantastic. I love that series. In, in the Tony yeah. Cole series that he did. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you see it more and more with the whiskey sponge labels, of course, with the boutique labels and, and such. And, mm-hmm. and so we're seeing it more and more. And so while at one point art has been a necessity to produce labels, it's now become a bit more whiskey adjacent with how people are purchasing, like, some people, I think, are making purchasing decisions based on a label, kind of like how, you know, we would purchase a book. I've heard about that author, but the cover looks really cool. Or, or a wine. I've heard about this wine. Man, that label looks cool. And you pick it up. I think beer. Mm. You and I have had these conversations about beers where for for years and years we've looked at beer labels for they were allowed to do things we would never have been allowed to do with a whiskey yeah. label. And and I do think some of those beer designs have started to open the door for more expressive whiskey designs. And I, I appreciate that. I didn't always appreciate that, but I'm appreciating that 
more and more now. A quick question mm. for you, just on labels, because I'm starting to see these popping up in stores. What do you think of some of the new Diageo labels? <sighs> I'll give you my honest opinion, Jason. I, I like them. I think they're attractive, but when it comes to the Diageo labels, like that's when I want them to pull back a little bit. There's something so mm-hmm. classic about mm-hmm. the Diageo labels and the distiller, the classic distillery labels. And while I enjoy the artistry of it, I kind of yep. want it to stay classic. Like, I please don't update it. Like, stay classic, I, you know? And so there's my honest answer. It's a rock and a hard place, yeah. isn't it? Where you're trying to, to innovate and present packaging that will appeal to a new mm. audience at the same time as not losing or alienating the, <laughs> don't really want to say it, older audience, but the, I don't the know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I am, I, I've done it through this whole conversation. I've just been spinning my head around my, my office here, looking at different bottles with different labels. And I'm looking at my Lagavulin shelf and just thinking, gosh, it's so iconic. So wonderfully iconic. And change is scary, it's, Joshua. It's really it, scary. It is scary. And I mean, there, that is a thing, you know, when you take away, uh, back to the Lagavulin, it is such an <laughs> iconic bottle shape mixed with the color, mixed with that label and the font. Like, it's just all so perfect. And then mm-hmm. you throw in some really, really attractive art. And yes, us having been Lagavulin fans or, you know, insert distillery name fans here we say ah geez you know i wish you stayed with the old meanwhile there are people that are just getting into whiskey and hey if that gets them into lagavulin fantastic that that's awesome but i like my tried and true jason (laughs) 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 let let me say let me throw in one more thing here and again this is something we kind of tease out in the interview but i i know it's difficult for an artist to come along and talk about their process. Mm. Uh, And as we interview Mo here, there are times when we can see her wriggling Mm -hmm. around the question Uh a little bit. And and there there are moments when we kind of fill in some visual cues for for the listeners, uh, where you're not going to get to see the pained expression on her face. Um, and so we, we kind of had a bit of to and fro in this interview where there are things that, that I was just simply curious about. I, I don't feel like I've got an artistic bone in my body speaking to somebody who is overflowing with artistry. Mm. And so I, I had some questions that I, I know are, are difficult to, to articulate but she humored us and she she filled in the gaps for us as best she could. And uh, and I'm, I'm just glad she said yes to the interview. <laughs> it was so good to just spend some time chatting with her, in all honesty. You know, I, I have to argue with you and, and disagree when you say you don't have an artistic bone in your body. I, mm. I feel as if you've got a keen palate to to see artistry in spirit. And I think over the past 
10, 11 years, the few times where we've blended whiskey together, I would argue that we created a type of art. It's not visual mm. art, but it is mm. art. And so mm. I disagree with your statement, sir. Uh, well, having completed my first bottle of Wolf Island and having opened my second bottle of Wolf Island, <laughs> if you wanted to call what's in that bottle artistry, I would not get in your way. So, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't hurt that I love, love, love the label on that yeah. as well as the liquid yeah. inside of it. Um, for the record, not a Mo McAuliffe yeah, label. That's true. That's true. But uh, but yeah, absolutely delicious liquid. So yeah, no, cheers. I I I appreciate your words on that. I think that's the perfect seg into our conversation with Mo. And here we go. Moana McAuliffe. On One Nation Under Whiskey podcast. Moana McAuliffe, an old dear friend. And Moana McAuliffe, the lady who has, like, seriously made Single Cast Nation uh, a true success. And and this is the first time, you know, besides coming to, to Jubilee and introducing you to, like, nation members and things like that, I don't think we've ever properly put you in front of the nation in the most proper of ways. So so thank you so much for joining us today. It's my great pleasure. Please stop, stop calling me Moana. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <It's, laughs> I do remember there being a round of applause at one of our afternoon tasting sessions at a New York Jubilee, where we, we had the opportunity to say, and I, on that day, we may have also said Moana McAuliffe uh, was in the room, the, the person behind the labels, and uh, and a spontaneous round of applause broke out. And I thought that was a really special moment, and I was really happy that you you got some dew while you were in that room. I D-U-E. dew. I, I thought that was really special as well. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> I think that was actually Chicago. No. Was that Chicago? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I've never been in a room with you in Chicago, which is not there? leading the witness. You may not have been there. No. Was the, la- would, was the last one you did in Chicago? I think it I, would have been, yeah. yeah I it think been I flew out for that one. Mm. You did fly out for that one. I had a couple of pals with me. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Have we given you more than one round of applause? Like, okay. If you did, I blocked the the first one out. The second one was so good. (laughs) (laughs) But do you you remember the New York Jubilee where we would have the room up the stairs that was surrounded by glass? I do. And we would do the master class there? That's where I remember you getting a round of applause. Mm -hmm. I must have been properly sauced by then, and I just don't remember. (laughs) Is there, are, are there any rooms you walk into where you don't get a round of applause? More than you would think. Okay. I'm I'm still reeling from Joshua introducing you as old and dear. Like that's, that's that was. Whew. We're gonna go back and remake the list that oh, Joshua started yeah. this interview with. Yeah, I'm not good with words. I think words we're in the same demographic, so it's okay. <laughs> you're, you're far too generous. <laughs> so I want to say one more thing, and then I'll I'll hand the floor back to you, but. We have been wanting to
to have you on the podcast for a good long while, and you've never really been overly interested. <laughs> and and we had at least that that's that's the feeling that we got. Maybe you're like you guys are crazy, but we we had a little meeting with uh, Michael Nolan uh, a few weeks ago. And Michael Nolan, who, who listens to every episode of the podcast, was saying, you guys need to have Mo on there. And, and to, to an extent that he was almost kind of giving us into a little bit of trouble that we hadn't done it up to this point. Mm, mm. And it was at that moment that Joshua and I said, okay, Mo is coming on the podcast. We're not asking her. We're not inviting her. We're not giving her a chance to to turn us down again. So Michael Nolan is the reason for this particular season. Okay, Michael Nolan. (laughs) (laughs) Daggers in your eyes, Mo? His name's going on my list. (laughs) (laughs) He's on a lot of shit lists. Well, so so years ago when we started Jubilee, that was 2012. And in 2013, that was our first festival where where we said, you know, around the world, basically any country around the world that has a whiskey festival has a whiskey bottling associated with it. However, in the US, that's never been it's never been a thing. And so we thought, well, maybe we should do a special single cast nation bottling around that. And and then it, that that idea evolved a bit and said, no, it really should highlight the Jubilee. It really should be its own thing. While, yes, it's single cast nation bottling, it's specific to the Jubilee Festival. And so now I'm, God, I'm trying to use my memory because what year is it? 2022. So this is, you know, almost 10 years ago. And I think the conversation was along the lines of Jason saying, you know, who, who can we get to, to do these labels? And your name came to me immediately because Mo, I've, I've always loved your art. I've always, you've always had a way of, of using something that seemed almost comic booky in a way, at least with some of your art. And and for me as a comic dork, and for me as someone who we almost collaborated on a comic book because I had this comic book idea many years ago. <laughs> um, maybe we should get back to that. Anyway, I, I said, oh, you know, it's 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 got to be Mo. It's got to be Mo who, who does this. So we reached out to you and and here was my first fear. My first fear was we have this idea... And I've never given someone who has an artistic vision a direction because I was I was scared to right because you're the one with the you're the one you're the artist I'm just someone who has a stupid idea but you really you really took it and you ran with it and then year over year across twelve bottlings you've helped us tell this story about the hero and Chaya. Um, and in the travel, uh, you know, across the U.S. with this bottling, and so, and so, I wanted to give you the floor to maybe talk about your your art a bit and and some of what 
drove your style? Like your style is a very specific one, and I and I think the listeners would love to hear about your inspirations for your overall style. Oh gosh, well, thank you for the kind kind words. That's that's very sweet, and it's been a pleasure to work with both of you. You're you're my favorite clients on earth ever. <laughs> um, some of the ideas you've given me have put me into a cold sweat, <laughs> trying to figure out how am I going to translate this to a, what size is it? I should have it memorized by now. Five by seven, or seven by three and a half. Three and by a half. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> label. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely influenced by by comic books, um, comic strips. I feel like I was reading them as soon as I was able to hold something in my hands. I remember looking at the newspaper and, and reading them with my dad. And, um, and then it was animation and, and coloring books. I always loved coloring books. Um, mm. And then video games, anime, it, all of that, that genre of like fantasy and, and line drawing and that sort of coloring book feel and like flat color. I've just always loved that. And that's, that's been a major influence, which you can probably see. Mm-hmm. And so, with the idea of of comic books, I don't know if this is an odd question, but I think about comic book artists, and there's always, you know, you open up a comic book and you'll see, you know, this person does the inking, this person does the coloring, this person does the lettering, and so on. And so, you know, as you're drawing something, is there a different mindset when it comes to the inking and comes to the coloring? Like, how do you how do you approach a piece when you're trying to put that together? I have a squirrel brain, so I feel like <laughs> 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 my method is uh, hear the idea, get excited, panic, procrastinate. <laughs> Pull out my sketchbook, sketch, 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 research, sketch, procrastinate some more, (laughs) Um, sketch some more, and then pull everything into the computer. Um, As soon as I I took art classes in college, but as soon as I discovered that you could draw on the computer, I stopped paying attention in drawing class. So that's that's kind of what happens with my art is I'll start on on paper with with pencil and drawing paper. But at a certain point, it's like I hit a wall and I know I need to bring it into the computer and then start there. Um, hmm. So, yeah, that's that's how I think. I don't know how real artists do things, <laughs> <laughs> but that's my method. So so you sketch it out and, and then you get a sketch to a point and you scan that in and you convert yep. that to outlines and then. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, things will, things so will kind of morph again once they're, they're mm-hmm. online because you know, it, it just, it has a different feel once you start yeah. laying down those black lines um, in the computer program. So yeah, it's, it's sort of a, a birthing of sorts, it right? feels like. <laughs> so it's painful in, in, in spots. <laughs> Honestly, it is. Honestly, it is. I put, I, I really put myself into all of these projects. I really sweat it out and I, I put myself into all the characters that have appeared on the labels. I just, I don't know. I'm an emotional creature and, and I attach quickly to people and, and, and characters. <laughs> so 
yeah, yeah. It's they they've all been a labor of love, but but I have loved every minute of it. <clears throat> I've got, Just I've very got quickly, oh, do, you, ahead, yeah. do you? Do you? Real quick question: Do you miss the tactile of the paper and the pen as you transition to the computer, which seems like a much colder medium? I don't know if I'd say I miss it. I definitely feel the distinction between the two, and I, I do go back and forth sometimes. I can't. I can't always get the right, the right turn of a line or something like that when I when I'm on the computer. So I do go back. And then I, I will rescan a sketch and then kind of merge it together with what I've worked on on the computer. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But I love gotcha. that. I love that that synergy between like old school and new school. It's so, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's perfect. That was actually my question, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, you know, a, a mutual friend, Chris Worski, uh, who who Jason lovingly calls Santos. Um, <laughs> uh, Jason was at uh, Mimi's bat mitzvah, and uh, he was sitting next to Chris, and he kept he thought his name was Santos, and he just kept on calling him Santos. Anyway, <laughs> you know, I turns out it turns out Chris Santos is a famous New York chef um, <laughs> who, who I'm familiar with, and I just started calling Swirsky Santos. So here we are. We started out before we hit record talking about old man brain and so there's classic old man brain right there. Here's a name. I'll attach it to you. You are now Santos. Yeah, he rolled with it. It was brilliant. Yeah, he kind of just let it slide for a while and then he corrected you, right? No, I heard someone came to take his order and and because of the arrangements of the table, they said Swirsky. And I just looked at him like, I've been calling you Santos. I said, yeah, it was fine. I figured I'd, I'd bring it up at some point in the Cats future. Cats out of the or, bag. You know. <laughs> and which, by the way, uh, for, for listeners who may not know this, Chris Swirsky is is the drummer in, in my band, Commander Dragon. And we, we have since uh, written a song called Santos Sockmouth. And, and every vowel has an umlaut over it, which is, wow. which is just perfect. Why did I bring? Oh, I'm so so. I you're welcome. So I brought him up because I remember years ago, him working on an old album cover, and he had one of those, you know, electronic pens and, you know, the the little tablet that that you would use to draw on the computer, and he tried to show me how to work it. And fuck if that didn't feel <laughs> as unnatural as could be. Like it just. From a tactile standpoint, it did it didn't make sense. The feel was all wrong. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I've never been an artist myself, so so while I couldn't connect visions in my head to pencil in hand to pictures on paper, it was even m- less natural doing it with a digital pen. And so, was there, you know, just to extend on on. Um, Jason's question, was there a learning curve in going to that? Or do you use a mouse in your drawing? Like, <laughs> no. how, how, does, how does that work? No, no, no. <laughs> I wish listeners could have seen Mo's face there. Yeah. Yeah, the daggers. You talked about daggers before. <laughs> no. Uh, actually, when I'm, when I'm feeling really lazy and I don't feel like getting up to get my, my tablet, sometimes I'll try to draw with the mouse and it's just... It's like trying to draw with two hams like attached to your 
to your <laughs> to your hands. It's just not. It's not good. Um, but yeah, there there's definitely a learning curve to to adjusting to drawing with with a stylus um, and a and a, a tablet. Um, what I used to do actually was I used to tape a piece of sketchbook paper over um, the the tablet so it would feel yeah. like paper. Um, and that would actually slow the pen down a little bit so it wouldn't slide across. Yeah. Um, the newer tablets are a little bit better and they, 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 the drag is a little bit more. So okay. it's not as slippery. Um, but I hate drawing on my iPad. It's just like ice. It's just like ice skates. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Um, oh, without the little grabbers at the tip of your ice skates. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 There are no breaks. So, okay, so I'm, I'm going to get even deeper with this question here. Okay, I'm ready. Because you, br- you, you bring up the iPad, and, and it makes sense. You would think drawing on an iPad may feel more comfortable because you're looking directly at what you're drawing. Mm-hmm. Where on a computer, you're looking at a screen, and you're just hoping you're, you got the muscle memory in your hand and that, it, and that it's going to work out. <laughs> and so was that part of a disconnect as well for you? Is that something you felt you had to overcome? I mean, no? you do it for a few hours and you just kind of get over it. Okay. Your, your, your brain gets rewired and it just becomes second nature. Okay. That's what yeah. I tell everybody who's starting to use that form for drawing. You just, you just do mm. it until it feels natural. You go, Jay. I have a completely different line of questioning that no longer involves styluses. Are we going to get into the? <laughs> are we going to get into the Apple PC thing now? <laughs> how dare you? How fucking dare you? Now? Um, so so I, I'm I'm also going to kind of ask an unfair question, uh, which I know. Again, asking artists about their process and asking them to break it down is like asking a comedian why a joke is funny. Um, but I, I want to reiterate what Joshua said earlier, which is you have only, you, you, your name has been the only name we've ever associated with art for our labels. Um, and, and so when Joshua was sending me examples of your art, one of the things that struck me was the way you seem to capture motion in static images and the unfair question is is that purposeful is that just how your art expresses itself on the page <laughs> and again Mo's face you've got a face for a video podcast we've, we've got faces <laughs> for uh, for audio podcasts but there's there's another kind of side eye glance from Mo around that question so are you aware of that kind of motion that you present in your in your art I, I'm obsessed with trying to capture motion I don't know why um I've just okay. always been fascinated with how the human body moves you know I love watching dance performances I love watching mm. sports and just mm. Watching all the different ways a body can can pose itself and the arcs of movement. Um, so I try to capture that, you know. Um, hopefully I do that successfully, but it is something that's always on my mind. Like how I'm gonna how am I gonna get that right moment where I capture this character and it's like I don't know, it's encapsulating like 
the most emotion or the most momentum or just that magic moment. So definitely something I obsess about a little bit and I'm very passionate about, if you can't tell. <laughs> so, so how does it go from your brain to your hand to the page? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you're thinking about that, there's there's a great example of this question. So, so in golf, Bubba Watson is a left-handed golfer. Mm-hmm. He shapes the ball all sorts of ways. And, and people invariably ask him, when you want to shape the ball from left to right, how do you position your body? How do you position your hands? How do you position the club face to make that happen? And he says... I just think in my head, left to right, and then I hit it. And they're like, wow. So what What about the other shape then? Do you, do you move something else because you're left-handed and that's a difficult shot? And he says, no, I, I just think about that other shape in my head and then I hit it and that's the shape it goes. Like you cannot convey to somebody who doesn't have that skill set how to pull that off. And so I understand the question that I'm asking you is hugely unfair, but is there a part of you where you are conscious of it, or are you just thinking it and it's happening in front of you? Oh, that's, that's hard to explain. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think like, what am I, I, I don't think I'm thinking uh, in, in a mm-hmm. strange way. I'm not, I'm not doing this consciously, but I'm, I'm definitely processing something. I'm trying to process something. I'm just trying to, to feel the, the person or, or the thing that I'm drawing. And I'm just trying to move my hand and move the pencil like in that way. Um, mm. And if I could show you a, a, a sketch, I think you'd just see like these lines of movement. Um, and it would probably look like, oh, what do you, you know, um, like a long exposure picture of somebody like moving their, oh, their yeah, limbs sure. around mm. a little bit. Um, like, like Bruce Lee in the Chinese connection. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not, not that precise, you know, it's just like yeah. lines and motion. I just try to yep. translate that um, from my brain. Like, I don't, sometimes I picture it uh, channeling from my brain, like down my arm into my fingertips <laughs> into the pencil onto the paper. But yeah, it's, it's very hard to describe. Um, it's more, it's more of a feeling that just happens and I just let it yeah. go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I believe you when you say that. And, and I, I feel as someone who's not an artist and has difficulty drawing a line, that trying to convey that that feeling, it's remarkable. So, so let, me, let me transition from that type of question then. And, and again, we're going to take our brains back a decade and, and we can all struggle with that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking at, at the first Jubilee bottle just off to my right side. And I know that that when we approached you and, and Josh uh, takes the lead on the graphic stuff, we said to you, we'd like a Jewish guy on a brownstone uh, step, <laughs> right? And, and, and that was really your remit. Could you, as much as you can remember that process, can you talk about how you go from, from that one sentence suggestion to design to even blocking and then the way that you presented the cask details on that label is the way those cask details were presented through the rest of the line and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking at the bottles on my shelf here we never moved away from that from the very first label and so do you remember putting that together do you remember 
thinking, how am I going to go from this one sentence to a, a whiskey label? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, usually what happens is Josh gives me some crazy idea. <laughs> and then I, I, this was, this one was not crazy. This was, this was just a great idea. Um, so I remember you telling me about it, Josh. And then I just remember starting to hear like the sounds of the city. And I tried to imagine what would it feel like to be sitting on a fire escape or sitting on the front stoops of a brownstone and just like feeling the concrete underneath me and hearing the sounds and, and knowing that there was this big building behind me and just trying to picture what I would see around me. And then I like zoom back and I, and I, I take like the bird's eye view, like what, what would you see? And I saw our character sitting there and he's, you know, he's holding the glass and he's got that backdrop of the brownstones behind him. And just to make it fun, you know, I, I started putting all these fun colors in and I told you I love coloring books and, and that kind mm -hmm. of feel. So I brought that in and with the white paper background and mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of what happened with with that first idea and that first bottle. Well, and looking at the blocking on it, you've you have got a brown brownstone right next to a blue brownstone next to a green brownstone. And so is there a part of your brain where you're thinking, can I really get away with a blue brownstone? Yep. <laughs> you're nodding your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just going to do it anyway. Let's see what they say. <laughs> and so I, one of the questions we get as people see the line is for those first three renderings, the hero was never colored in the, in terms of <laughs> colored in he was left with white pants white shoes white shirt even the glass had a little bit of the metallic mm -hmm. from the label coming through and then into the the second label where the um, kaya appears our, our heroine um she's not colored in she does have a, a, a scarf that has a bit more solid coloring mm -hmm. what was going on there with what if we didn't colour in their clothing and and just left them as this kind of <laughs> blank canvas almost, even as a character. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought about that um, when it comes, and I don't want to get too political, but, you know, I just, when it comes to skin colour and in my art, hmm. I liked the idea of people being able to see themselves in, sure. in this oh. depiction. So... Oh. I just left it up to them. And I, I kind of actually pictured somebody taking the bottle and coloring it in because that would be cool. <laughs> but I also realized I couldn't leave the label completely blank of color because boring. And uh, I was thinking, what what is this going to look like on a shelf? How is this going to pop out and mm -hmm. and stand out from all the rest of the whiskey bottles mm. if, if it was displayed among other whiskey bottles, you know, how, how are we going to showcase this and big white label? You don't see that with whiskey bottles. They're all, they're all, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a genre of, of whiskey bottle design and it works and it's beautiful, but you know, I thought let's, let's try this and see what they say. Yeah. It definitely did not look like any bourbon bottle on the market in 2013 no. when this was launched. No, but I, I really like I, I always liked the fact that the the hero and the heroine were initially devoid of of color because in an odd way with the color background it 
it made them pop out. Even even though they had nothing, it it brought them to the foreground. And I I do like what you said. I know you're you don't want to be political, and I'm not trying to be political here either. But you know, most a lot of people when they think of Jews, just think of uh, a, a white guy with a big nose, or you know, uh, you know, a, a white girl with a big nose. Meanwhile, there are black Jews and, and Chinese Jews and Indian Jews, and like, just just like anybody, right? We're we are people of the world. So I really liked that you allowed people to see themselves in that image, which was which was very cool. And and I hadn't even thought about that until you mentioned it. And now, now I say, oh, gosh, that makes good sense. And the other thing that I want to say, too, I really liked after Jason asked your question about creating the vision of the brownstone, the listeners can't see it because this is an audio podcast, but your eyes were closed the entire time. It was almost like watching you recreate, okay, how am I going to do this? And I, I, mm-hmm. I just I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I knew we could get her to say it. <laughs> so, so there was one time, and uh, not one time, but this was maybe the first time. I think we were working on a bottling, a Jubilee bottling with Westland. And you had said, can, can, you, can you send me some of the liquid? I... I kind of see what you want to do here, but I I need the liquid to help me tell that story. And so I'd really love to hear from you about how how the flavors are influencing your whiskey and how you're trying to portray an image. Oh, gosh. Was that the engagement one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was the engagement one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones that I did for you guys. Yeah, I love that label. I, I, I smile every time I look at it. And I think I was smiling the whole time I was I was drawing it. I, I, was, I, I got so attached to these characters. Um, but back to, to flavor. I, I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm a very emotional person. <laughs> and I love I love food. I love flavors. Flavor sounds, they're they're like like teleportation devices to me. Uh, they're mm. It's like time travel for me. Um, so food, if I if I eat something really, really good, I will start to I'll start to cry <laughs> because it's my eyes will just water and I'll just I'll just I need a moment. I need to like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so the I'm sure I asked you for for the liquid um, because mm-hmm. I was struggling with with something when I was designing and drawing that label and I needed to feel those characters. I don't know. This, this is how my brain works. It's weird. I know. Um, I don't remember the, the flavor notes for that, that particular, um, that particular one, but, um, yeah, I, that for, for that label, I needed that for, Mm. for me to process (laughs) the things that were going on in my brain to get them out onto the paper. Um, but I, uh, when I think of that label, I think of, of warmth and I, I feel this warmth in my, in my chest area and just like mm. the, the happiness and excitement of, of someone proposing to somebody else and starting this journey together. So yeah, that's, that was your Westland. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about it is you've got Chaya walking into the label. She's coming at the consumer 
and she's walking in like this glamour puss <laughs> and the, the hair has got a flow to it and her skirt has got a flow to it. Yeah, yeah. And we'd gone from a static seated position in the first label on the brownstone to a static seated position in the second label when they're on their first date to now we've got this bit of action from Chaya walking in, this lovely motion going on. And the fact that she's walking in holding the first two bottles from the Jubilee mm-hmm. while the hero's holding the, the, the bunch of uh, flowers, I'll say, um, with the engagement ring behind his back, you capture so much there and with motion and with excitement. And it was it was very well done and, and really reflected the work that Matt Hoffman was putting in creating this Westland blend for us. And so you've got, you know, two people coming together with an engagement with whiskey coming together to form a, a you know, a, a single malt from the uh, from Westland Distillery. Yeah, it was all lovely. Thank you. You're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> We'll tell you where to send the check. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to fast forward a little bit because some of our well, so we have single cast nation members, and then we have one nation under whiskey listeners. And I would I would argue that some of our listeners may not be fully aware of the Jubilee bottling simply because they were a bit older, but a bit more aware of what's been this sort of ongoing series, what we've been calling the Woodcut series, and where we had the the 30-year-old Beaumore, the 30-year-old Imperial, and then the 28-year-old Laughing Frog. We can't say the distillery, Laughing Frog. Do the math. Um, So so this was one where where I feel as if you got a bit more expressive in your art, specifically with the Beaumore label. Like I feel as if I saw a side of your of your art, at least with our labels, that I hadn't seen before, and so I, I'd love to to hear about that. Like what what you took with you to to put that one together, and and if there was different techniques involved as well. Yeah, for sure. That was more of a. I guess the presentation was more painterly. I suppose, yeah, although there wasn't yeah. <laughs> there was an actual physical paint involved, that was all done on the computer. Um, that was that was a stretch for me. My my home base is is that sort of comic book flat, you know, bold lines, bold color. That's that's where my heart mm. is. That's what I love. But I also love fantasy art. I used to play <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. And our DM mm-hmm. used to give us extra credit homework where we could do drawings and write stories and we'd get <laughs> extra points so we could level up our characters. And I was just over the moon. So I would draw my my character, which was always a rogue, um, then a, a, a tiefling, then a halfling. Well, maybe this is for another podcast entirely. No, don't I'm happy don't to let go me. To him. I'm happy to go deep here. Okay. <laughs> Hold me back. <laughs> Um, so when you said, I forget how you presented it to me. I think you said something about a dragon. You said something about an, an Asian dragon in, in, in the Scottish ocean in the Scottish seas. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Because, because 
do what's she doing there <laughs> because when we think when we think about Bowmore, especially for the Bowmore dorks out there and for the Bowmore dorks who are familiar with legendary independently bottled Bowmores, you've got on the Bowmore side the sea dragon and that was an obi an official bottling and then from Samaroli, you had the Bowmore bouquet. And, and I said, well, you know, what if we had a dragon that instead of breathing fire was breathing flowers? And, and that I think was that's just really all I said. Yeah. Brilliant. Like that, you, you, Josh needs to take credit for these insane ideas that are, <laughs> you wrap so much like visual and emotional content in one sentence. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> uh, no, ju- just, you know, be- because it is, and, and you use that very technical term painterly uh, before, uh, is that a real word? Or did you just uh, make that up? It's a word artists use, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, I, I thought you just did what I do, or you make a word that sounds right. And, no, it's a word. But, I've heard it oh, said. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. But but it, it definitely is, it, it it was a different style. And so, sure. and so our, I mean, I, I love how you, you talk about how emotional you get. And so are you hitting different parts of your brain, of your emotions, of... Uh, uh, to to create this very different style of art? Yeah, I think, well, I, I mentioned that as soon as I learned that you could draw on the computer, I kind of stopped paying attention in my art classes. <laughs> it's probably to my detriment. So yeah. um, I did it. I don't know how to paint. I'm terrified of like actual art supplies. Um, so, uh, this was, this was very exploratory for me, but also really fun because I got to scan a bunch of like pictures and textures in and turn them into brushes and then lay them down on, on, on the computer canvas and, um, just experiment with all of that stuff. And that's, that's, that's really fucking magical. Like, excuse my French, but just being able to go outside, take a picture of some dirt and some rocks, scan it into your computer, turn it into a brush, and then be able to paint it on something wow. and change the colors. It's just, it will never stop blowing my mind. Um, so wow. yeah, for sure. Very, very different mindset going into that. And a little more panic just because, you know, it was a new thing. But mm-hmm. I liked I liked how that dragon came out. It was remarkable. Yeah. Did you name the dragon? I don't think we ever gave the dragon the name. But do you did you ever have an internal name? Like I know no, we named I think the, it was just... the robot in in Imper- <laughs> for the imperial label. Right? But... No, I don't think I did. I think it was yeah. just dragon, just my dragon, dragon baby. That's really interesting to hear that we took you that far outside of your comfort zone because what came back was absolutely remarkable. Stunning. It's a hell of an achievement for being outside your comfort zone, which leads me, since again, you're grimacing at us with our compliments, (laughs) (laughs) which, which leads me to Joshua coming to you and saying, 
there was a train on Speyside called the Puggy. We'd like to turn it into a Transformer style with line drawing. And I do know there was a part where you came back to us and said, these lines are going to be the death of me. And, and I, I, again, your, your rendering of... And I'm 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 using transformer with a small T and, and no TM on the end of it. Um wink, wink. clearly that right, clearly that style uh, of toy. But, Look at that. Um right, right the, the detail. Yeah, the detail you put into a, a train that had transformed uh, on the label. It, was there a point for you, first of all? Did you look at Joshua sideways when he put that sentence in front of you? And then <laughs> when you started to render it, did you look at yourself sideways and say, stop with the details, Mo, you're going to lose your mind here? Yes. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, again, you're welcome. <laughs> that one was fun, but there was, there were, oh, yeah, there may have been tears at one point, just like how... Oh boy. How the hell am I gonna pull this off on in in such a small format? You know, if you gave yeah. me a poster, that would be a different story. But to 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 convey that very specific train somehow, and then also the lowercase trans lowercase t transformer <laughs> character <laughs> in that setting. Yeah, it was it was definitely a challenge, but I think I think we got there yeah. <laughs> eventually. And that was fun. I love drawing all the little like components and the the gears and the the gauges yeah. on um the character. It really, you know, it's it's more than meets the eye this little. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll slip it there. Sorry. <laughs> I I do remember showing that label to my kids. Uh, and them just being absolutely floored by it. Awesome. Uh, you know, and, and, and when, you know, young kids are able to say, cool, about what's ultimately a whiskey label. Um, <laughs> and then as, as soon as it went before the nation as well, and, you know, so, so many members of a certain age being able to say, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm going to get that, you know, style of a toy that I used to <laughs> play with. Uh, on a on a whiskey label, wow! <laughs> so, yeah, you, you get wow so many times for your labels. Oh yay! It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's it's, awesome. It's really cool. And 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 then you know a, a thing that we've come back to you with a couple of times is we'd like to take this opportunity to put you on the label, and so the the penultimate whiskey jubilee label where our our characters do get married on the third. Uh, uh, woodcut series where we have the Laughing Frog label. We got you to put yourself on that label as well. How do you feel about <laughs> being asked to put yourself on the label? Uh, super weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a like, uh, okay, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, not not. <laughs> I don't want you to feel bad about it. It just, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, not really comfortable in the spotlight. Yeah. Not something yeah. that I I uh, aim for. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
That's all. But it, it's, you know, in ask in coming up with an idea and saying, all right, Mo, this is, this is what we'd like to see. I've always approached it from the perspective of she is a, a master of, of her art. She knows her way around a pen. She knows her way around Adobe Illustrator. And I've never had that, I've never had that fear that you wouldn't be able to do what we're hoping to see on the label simply because everything I've seen you do has been beautiful, magical, Aww. you know, just so pretty and, and, and nice. You. And but but hearing you hearing your, your struggles, it's it's interesting. It doesn't come across in your art at all, the the struggles that that you talk about. It really <laughs> well, that's doesn't. Good. So <laughs> what I'm saying is get ready for the fourth woodcut label. Oh my God. If I ever have to draw another frog, I'm going to jump off a cliff. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. okay. <laughs> Love you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the raining frogs is so cool though. It was such it, it, a cool idea. Again, you have to credit Josh. I think this was your idea too, right? It, it, it was, was it? but I mean, it really came from just having rewatched Magnolia again. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the idea was, was a bit of a nod to that because I think it's an absolutely beautiful movie. And we got whiskey from a distillery that we couldn't really say where it was from. And... Well, another bottler had something called leapfrog, and we said, "Okay, well, we can't use that again." And uh, and and so here we are with laughing frog, and and so that was only partially my idea. Yeah, it's it's very rare that I get to have a little corner of a label and the laughing having the having laughing, us on the yeah. label laughing. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> came from me, which yeah. <laughs> yep. um, exactly. I I also awesome. I'll also I'll also put a little teaser here, which is if if we. If we select the cask that we've we've got our eyes on for the fourth, it's not to say we will, but if we if we do get that, I actually led the the imagery idea on that one. Yes, you did. And cool. uh, and so you can almost guarantee that will not be the cask that ends up being <laughs> bottled, <laughs> and we'll be at the eleventh hour saying, Joshua, what should we do? What should we do? <laughs> and and he will pull it out in the eleventh hour, and then whatever we charge you with you will pull it off in the 12th so. <laughs> uh -huh. so there's there's one more label that i i desperately want to bring up and and, and as we've been chatting today and and we we had this conversation a little bit with uh, with sam and dave from boutique where it might take a while to get somebody on the podcast but somehow the timing just works out really well and and now that we've got you on the podcast mo I'm thinking of all the work that's being done to launch our new website and the archive has been a major focus there. And for us now celebrating 10 years of delivering whiskey to the nation, the nation members are going to be able to go back through this archive on the website and see your labels. People in Australia who, who know us through the podcast, uh, people in Europe who know us through the podcast will be able to come onto the website and see your imagery within the, uh, within the archive. And so I think the timing is, is really quite nice. 
uh, for this conversation. <laughs> As you nod your head at me, thank you, Jim. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the I'm trying again not to use a distillery name here, but the 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 twenty four year old bourbon uh, mm. that we released that was an opportunity for us to put one of your labels into the UK, into Sweden, into yep. Germany. Um, it was offered to Japan and they didn't take us up on it. Um, but it but it gave us a chance to put your art before new people and new countries. And, and one of the things, as soon as we started talking about pre-fire distillery liquid, my mind, and, and, and again, as we've talked about this, this process, my mind is never a buzz with imagery. Never, never is. And all I could think of was Van Gogh's Starry Night. Mm. And the way you've rendered smoke in, in other examples for us, fire in other examples for us, I just thought a Mo version of something like Van Gogh's Starry Night would just be so striking with darkness, but then fire. And, and, I'm, and I'm curious, when we come to an artist with another artist, insanely famous artwork as inspiration, do you find that somewhat um, restricting? Do you find it quite exciting that you can bounce off of that with your own inspiration? What was the experience of that label like, given that we were throwing some key terms and even an artist at you? Mm, I think I appreciate the restriction <laughs> or <laughs> the guidelines. Um, uh, otherwise, yeah, my the squirrel brain will just like go all over the place trying to nail, nail it, you know. Um, with that particular label, I do remember something you said, though. I think you said something about rivers of fire and that mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. that was like a spike in my brain. I was like, oh, that's it. And then the Van Gogh thing and the smoke. And then I was able to run with it from there. Mm -hmm. What was yeah, the word again? I, I, I missed that. And I, and I don't remember the particular comment. Rivers of fire. He was he was explaining. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he was okay. explaining to me what he envisioned for for yeah. the label, and um, he said that phrase, and I was like, oh yeah, that's the one. Well, and, and I, I'm glad it resonated with you because in in looking at footage of a fire that happened to to Hiven Hill, um, yep. There's <laughs> and, and reading the reports yep. of it. You know, the imagery is rivers of fire. And in the reports, people are talking about rivers of fire. And, mm -hmm. and to think of a, of, a, of a catastrophe where the river has caught fire right. is pretty damn significant and really kind of burrows into your brain. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and for this to be happening at night mm -hmm. when, you know, you know p people are afraid of where that might spread to, where that might go. Right. You know, firefighters on the scene being faced with rivers of fire. <laughs> And, and dealing with alcohol that's ablaze, 
it's all serious, serious stuff. And yeah. I, and I thought the way you rendered it on the label didn't make light of the seriousness and really captured a lot of that. And it's it's hard to pick a favorite label, right? They're they're all absolutely fucking brilliant. But I I have that bottle just up to my right side, and it's so incredibly eye catching. Um, the reds that are in it, the night sky with the smoke. It's... The number of people who have reached out to us, can you get that on a shirt? We, we want mm. to see that on mm-hmm. a shirt has, mm-hmm. has, been, has been very, very cool. And so we've actually started having some, some discussions about, okay, how, how can we get some of this artwork onto, onto shirts? So yeah, we need to hop on that, Jason. <laughs> Assuming Mo's okay with our artwork. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Assuming Mo's okay with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about some of your art that has nothing to do with our labels. Um, you know. Wait. Wait, what? <laughs> Mo's got art that's nothing to do with our labels. Breaking news here. Hmm. Yeah, because I know art is not necessarily your full-time job or being commissioned for art is not necessarily your full-time job, but it, but it is part of your life for sure. And so like, how, how much of that does play part of your, of your life? At the moment... Yep. less less than I'd like it to. I've been I just ha- had a big move. I just started a new job that's super busy and it's a completely different industry, so I'm mm-hmm. very busy learning and just doing that right now and I've I've been kind of itching to create something and it's it's been a little while, so I'm getting a little crazy. So I don't I don't have any serious projects going on right now. Um I took an herbology class that I graduated from a couple of months ago and I had, I did a couple of things for that. Um, I made like a coloring book page to hand out to the class and that was super fun. Um, I started working on some drawings for my partner, Ryan, uh, who's building some guitar pedals. So I did like this crazy, like witch lady and I started Ooh. drawing a Yeti and a polar bear. So there's, there's a couple of like weird little things that are just back burner, but totally leisure, like not, yeah not worky, worky art stuff, which I'm okay with right now. I think yeah. I, uh, I, I needed to take a little break, but I'm ready to get back into it. So, There's... so to, to two things here, I mean, it, it is, it is nice to hear you say you needed to take a little bit of a, a break from, from that. I don't know why it's nice to hear that, but it's nice <laughs> to, like I, I'm someone who needs to take a break from a lot of things, but I don't, I don't allow myself. So I can understand, like when, when you know, you as a person can recognize that and take advantage of it. That's that's very cool. Um, the fact that Ryan is making guitar pedals, <laughs> I, I have to, I've got to reach out to him because I'm, I'm a guitar <laughs> pedal junkie. So I'm gonna let him know I'm going to reach out to he, him. There, there are so many guitar pedals in this house. It's yeah. <sighs> Oh, I'm I'm thinking witches and polar bears uh, would look fantastic <laughs> on a on a whiskey label. Yeah. It's a guitar pedal collaboration with a whiskey company. Oh my god, that would be so cool! Oh my god! Oh my god! 
<laughs> I'm glad I can make the two of you happy. He makes <laughs> guitars too. Did you get both too. of you? Sorry? Oh, he makes guitars yeah, too. Yeah, him and his buddy. Oh, oh, oh that's couple. right. Yeah, did, Ryan and Ryan, the Luthiers. Ryan, the Ryans. They, they, yeah, Ryan they Welcome make, made uh, me uh, a six-string bass. My Jewcaster right. Shesh. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. You could does, have Ryan, a, uh, does Ryan... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you could have a limited edition uh, guitar slash Does he do guitars combo. or basses? I think they do both. I think it's mostly basses. Um, okay, okay. I don't know. That's, you'll have to interview them on another. Okay. Podcast. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we're, no, we're no. Going, I'm in the wrong rabbit hole. <laughs> There's no it's wrong, rabbit, the wrong hole. rabbit hole with you. <laughs> so, so, you know, as always, conscious of time and, and just, you know, getting out of here. But there's, there's a question that I would regret not asking you, especially since you brought up food earlier and you brought up taste and you talked about combining, you know, the, the flavors of the liquid with that, that third label we did for the Jubilee with Westland. But I'm curious for you, I, I know you are a whiskey drinker and I know you enjoy uh, whiskey. What's the experience like for you when you're enjoying whiskey? Is it a, a creative experience for you? Are there images bouncing? Are there, are there any whiskeys you've, you've welled up about, you've shed a tear with? Uh, <laughs> open-ended question about mm. your whiskey enjoyment. There was a Glen Murray that you guys gave me. I think it was a 12-year-old. That was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. my fave. It's long gone now. Um, mm-hmm. So um, anything I know about whiskey is because of you guys <laughs> or by way of you. Um, I didn't really know much about it before you asked me to start doing work for you. So um, it was really interesting uh, getting some really like top notch elite whiskey right out the gate um, and not <laughs> and not really having anything uh, lower tier than that. So I yeah. feel like uh, you you sort of birthed a whiskey snob without knowing it. But I feel also <laughs> sort of like an imposter. I have imposter syndrome about mm. about <laughs> whiskey because <laughs> I feel like I can tell people, oh no, don't drink that. That's not good. Like this is this will be good. That'll be good. But uh, like I just know it because of what you guys told me and what you have given to me. So yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've ever welled up yet. Um, I know that my palate is definitely not as sophisticated as yours. I don't, I don't get all of the tasting notes all of the time, but (laughs) I love the poetry of it (laughs) and I love, Mm. there you go. So, yeah. Do images come into your head as you're drinking i know you're you're saying i'm not getting the flavor notes but are you seeing things hopefully you're not hearing voices but are you seeing i would welcome that actually i think that would be really cool after the eighth pour you you'd be amazed what happens (laughs) um hashtag please drink responsibly go on yep disclaimer um I, I like the PD whiskeys the best, um, mm. and I, I often tr- get transported to Scotland. I've been there once, um, mm. and I, I completely 
have a crush on everything Scottish and I, I want to go back there so badly. But yeah, as far as imagery, like the, those PD ones, they transport me and that's, that's what I see. I see, yep. I see the rocks on the beach and I hear the ocean and, and that like salty smell in the air and the greenest green you could possibly imagine. I've never seen that green before in my life and I will never scour it out of my brain and my heart. <laughs> so to answer your question, I guess I do <laughs> see some imagery. <laughs> Didn't think I did, but I guess I do. And and for the listener, the eyes were closed again. You were transported <laughs> back to Scotland on that beach. Wonderful. Uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, Joshua, I, I don't want to leave you hanging if you've got... Uh, yeah, I just, just, just one final question because... I guess I wasn't fully aware that you're that you didn't have much experience with whiskey before us. And so my question was simply was there a bit of a learning curve because because right most people are going to start with something that's a Johnny Walker or or you know an Evan Williams and it's at 40% alcohol. And you went straight to 50s, <laughs> 60s percent alcohol, just like full sure throttle stuff. Yeah. And so so at first were you like, fucking hell? Or was it like, okay, there, there's something going on here? And yeah, like what was that experience like for you? Do you recall it? Or did you have so much you can't recall it? <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> I, I do remember a what the fuck moment uh, when we traveled <laughs> together early one morning to a whiskey jubilee uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. in New York where uh, we had a toast before we left. <laughs> oh, that's right. At uh, We went to Ari, to Ari's place um, to pick up some of his catering stuff or something like that. Or pick up the glasses that he had to wash. Right. Because he had to right, put the right, glasses right. through the mikvah. That's yep. right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that's, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a bruiser. Um, that was, that was one moment where I was like, whoa, I'm out of my league. Um, just cause you guys were just so cool and you knew everything about whiskey. You're giving this cool ass whiskey, like first thing in the morning, like we're going to do this thing and now we're going to go have this whiskey tasting that's all day and you're going to take pictures and it's going to be great. And here you go. Cheers. And it was awesome whiskey, like like not the worst thing to do first thing in the morning, but at the same mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. I was like, "Whew, <laughs> this is going to be a long day." Yeah, it was a good day. Um, learning curve. Yeah, I definitely didn't know much about whiskey. Whiskey with a Y, whiskey with an E Y. I learned all that mm-hmm. from you, um, and just just how complex and how layered the flavoring could be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely a learning curve for sure, but one one gotcha. I've enjoyed traveling. Bo, seeing your face again has been an absolute joy. Jason and I are actually looking to come out to Chicago in May. We're doing a single cast nation sort of tenth anniversary. Even though we're really eleven years as a company, it's ten years having whiskey to sell. And so uh, I don't know what you've got going on May 10, but we'd love to to have you as part of that celebration because really, um, you know, our, I don't think we would 
necessarily be where we are if we didn't have your art to help us along. So if, if you have no plans, we, we'd love to see you and we'd love to hug the living shit out of you. Oh, uh, same. <laughs> it's a date. Well, thank you. Good. Perfect. Brilliant. Bring Ryan well, we look- and, and his uh, guitar pedals too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he's using you to get to Ryan, but I here know we are. what's going on. <laughs> Controversial ending. <laughs> yeah, just just to reiterate, thanks a million, Mo. You've you've been absolutely invaluable to us, and your your partnership, your friendship has just been wonderful. And uh, you you make us smile whenever we spend time with you, and when you send us remarkable labels. So, cheers to you, my friend. Cheers. Thank you. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. All the thanks to Mo for taking the time to hang out with us, to to indulge our questions, and really to, to give us a chance to go down memory lane. I know we've been happily celebrating 10 years of putting whiskey in in front of people uh, in the nation. And and as you rightly said before we went into that, we're not delivering the same product to the nation without Mo being a part of it. So so sincere thanks to her for her friendship and her assistance. And one of the parts I was going to respond to that you'd mentioned earlier, Joshua, is you've known Mo for over 20 Mm -hmm. years and, and love her dearly. Here's me, I'm I'm now a decade uh, into knowing Mo, enjoying her friendship, and and always looked forward to when we could hang out together at the Jubilees. Um, I didn't really see her outside of that, living in in two very different states. But she's just absolutely lovely and adorable yes. and yes. wonderful and thoughtful. Yes. And and uh, yes, I'm really glad that when you had. One person in mind for artwork for a label. It was Mo. And here we are. Yeah, it was it was Mo. You know, I met her I met her through Chris Swirsky, who you lovingly call Santos. Santos who is also the drummer for my band, Kimono Dragon. And just so you're aware, because I don't know if you know this, Jason, when we first started as a band it was with this idea that we were we were characters like we created a story around this 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 band and we even we have a trailer we made a trailer for a movie we wanted to do we were even in talks with someone at A&E for a potential series around this thing early on and so mo in in that realm of this this world she was she was kimono dragon and she was a thousand ah. year old asian fighter right she's she's half filipino half half scottish and uh right so we weren't appropriating anything there i mean not with her character <laughs> we were definitely appropriating with our wearing geese and uh and my my guitar player joe was Jejono Dragon, and he was he was her her son, and uh, yeah. So you know she was she was just part of the crew, and so it was nice when we started the company and I let the band go that that relationship with Mo could continue despite not having the band anymore. Because in the end, right, we're we're all still good friends and sadly now she's in Chicago so it makes things very difficult but 
Yeah. So, so there you, you go. You crazy 20 <laughs> something year olds with your crazy dreams and aspirations. It's amazing where two decades goes. I, I just, I, I remember thinking of a, of 20 year old whiskey and just like, oh my God, that's been in the cask forever. <laughs> and now going from 28 to 48 and just looking back, I'm just like, wow, it's the blinking, yeah, the blinking of, an of an eye. It's unbelievable how quickly <sighs> that time passes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Jason, do we have any news? We've got all the news that's fit to print. All right. So you're at the printing press. Steve Gutenberg just got done filming Police Academy 27. So you got the Gutenberg press <laughs> already to print the news. Do I have that right? Is that, that connection correct? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. You absolutely just ran a country mile in another man's shoes. I was just letting you do what you do. I know you have some news to talk about. I've got some news to talk about as well, but I'm, I'm always a gentleman, and, and I would love to give the floor to you. Uh, yeah, ours is, our first piece is a follow-up on last episode, and this, this is such a perfect illustration of the world in which we live. <laughs> the, the Backwoods Heritage Rye was, was on its way. We had a date for it coming in. And that date changed and got pushed off by two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I sent you the King Theoden gif. So it begins. <laughs> Which is, yeah, this is a delay now. Doesn't mean it's the only yeah. one. Doesn't yeah. mean that now the second date will be the delivered date to port. And and having friends over in Orange County and LA and San Francisco... Mm-hmm. And just hearing about traffic jams of container ships parked in waters where they they don't normally park, and just thinking, well, we're we're in a queue to get into a port, to get unloaded, to get into customs. So we we've shared as much as we know. Hopefully, hopefully this is the week the the launch of of this episode on on March twenty third. Hopefully this is the week. But when it comes to the ports, when you get the first change of yeah. date, it doesn't tend to be the last change right. of date. Right, and and then there's there's you know one thing is getting to the port. Like if you get to the port, whew, congrats, good on you. But <laughs> then there's the time at the port to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. unloaded, which is probably another. Two to three weeks. Uh, it's it's a bit of a nightmare, you know. I heard a story, just speaking of logistics, right? Where, you know, it used to be when you when you had a shipment coming from Scotland to the U.S., typically you you'd be looking at a two and a half month, maybe three month worst case scenario trip of getting to the docks and being released from the docks, and now you're looking at four months, five months, seven months, 
etc. Things have gotten so bad that one of the ways that freight companies are looking to ease the pain is companies like FedEx and, and others with their small package are moving the small package stuff to smaller boats that would then go on riverways. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're now accessing freshwater riverways to get in and around. This is how bad it's gotten. Like this is, and Sam was mentioning it the other day, Sam Filmus that is, um, where the the global logistics situation if, if you want to think about how bad it is, take the 25% tariffs and take <laughs> all of the various shutdowns due to COVID and multiply it by five times. That's, that's mm. everything. It's from action figures to, to whiskey, to clothing, to bedding, to whatever. Nightmarish, nightmarish. Yeah, it's it's insane, absolutely insane. So, yeah, watch this space. Maybe the next episode will have another update for you. Oh, gosh. I just want it to come in so badly and get it sold and get it out and into mouths. It is so good. Selfishly, I just want to be drinking yep, it. Yep, and so with that in mind, we do have a bit of good news. We We touched on it, I think, last episode. We talked about some blends that we we've got coming out which were you know single cast blends that we bottled for some clubs who who mm-hmm. purchased their allocation of it and so we're going to be opening that up to nation members shortly and mm-hmm. smaller numbers smaller numbers yeah, smaller, smaller numbers, numbers available no lottery involved just to grab them when you can and so then in addition to the two blends we have about four different projects right now uh, about to be bottled in our Kentucky warehouse. Some of them are single casks. Some of them will be cask marriages. And then we've got a slew of casks in Scotland that, that are about to be bottled as well. So we've got a lot going on. We're just going to be keeping an eye on the various global logistics and see how quickly or not so quickly we can get it out and into people's doorsteps onto people's doorsteps we've said on this podcast for for years and years moving at the speed of scotland and i wish we could go back to those days (laughs) because those were lightning fast compared to moving at the speed of the global supply chain so oh my gosh we're we're doing our best, moment in, moment out. Oh, you can be as patient, and it will happen. Yep, it will happen. So, so you you took the news out my mouth. That that was the news that I had to deliver. So, ah. I think we may have tied that in a little bow, Jason. Excellente. Let's, let's pick out some glassware. All right. Hold on. Let me. Oh, oh. Oh. No, don't don't juggle oh, it. Right. Don't smash it. Don't <laughs> throw it against the wall. Just just carefully pick it up. So I've picked up glassware oh. and I've picked up, pick it up you have given me you sent me something that says sample number one. And then secondarily, mm-hmm. you sent me something that says sample number two. Yes. And 
let me pour these and I will tell you a little bit more about my plan. Because I cannot tell you about my plan while pouring and making sure what I'm pouring doesn't make it into the video that you and I can see. Sample one goes on your left side. All right, so I have officially poured sample one and sample two. I've got sample one on my left, and I've got sample two on my other left, which is known as my right, <laughs> known as my right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much I can trust you when you get into those kind of mindsets. All right, so one of the things that we're doing with season six hmm. is we're... We're, we're, playing a, we're playing a few games. We're having a bit of fun. And, and the, the game that I introduced you to in the last episode was the, the, the reading of that... I'm not even going to say which distillery. In case somebody wants to go from this episode back into the last yeah. one, maybe they're, maybe they're behind. I'm not going to spoil it. But it was a, a distillery tasting yes. note and from, from 1989. And I... I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that little bit of oh, chat and so we will in, in some future episodes play that with guests and again, and again just have a bit of fun another aspect that that inspired us for season six was in talking to steve holly mm -hmm. when we were doing the judgment of westland and he talked then about Westland, the team at Westland mm. doing a, a weekly blind tasting where they just gather, they just pour some whiskey and some glassware, they have some chats about it, they have some back and forth about it. And, and in that conversation with Steve, you and I both said, that's a terrific idea, yeah. absolutely yep. terrific. And so, so it got us thinking for, for season six that... Again, not every episode, but wouldn't it be nice for you and I to kind of get together, put out some blind samples, have a little chat about mm. them, see what we're getting, see what we're learning. The goal, and I'm hoping this makes Steve happy, <laughs> the goal is not to guess what they oh, are. Shit. <laughs> That's it's not a it's not a success or failure by the correct uh -huh. name coming out. But instead, because here we are, we're, we're on we're on a podcast, the podcast, as as many of our wonderful wonderful listeners refer to it in the emails they send in. We're on a a visual. Nope, we're on an audible medium without any visuals, and and watching people taste whiskey is is already a pretty dull enterprise. <laughs> Listening to people tasting may also be a dull enterprise, but I think the conversation that you and I can have around mm -hmm. this, um, I, I think is always worthwhile. And then, because I am Jason Three Names who does love sandwiches, I do have a little ace up my Ooh. sleeve for today's okay. blind okay. tasting. So, without further ado, yeah. pick up sample yeah. number one that's on your original left, yep. and tell me what you're getting. I'm getting oak up front. I'm getting sweet oak coming through. So you've got... You went straight to the nose. You didn't do an eyeball for I the listeners. Because I, I didn't think, back to your point about this not necessarily being a visual podcast, I didn't think to call out the color, but I will 
I will relent. I will give out the color. So this to me smells like a a bourbon, an albeit young bourbon. And given the color, I would say that color affirms that assessment. It's not deep. It's not that deep, dark color that you'd see in maybe, uh, you know, some of the wild turkeys that we bottled or just, you know, pick up any bourbon, Mm -hmm. right? What's the color of bourbon? It's bourbon. This doesn't have the color of bourbon. It's a bit lighter, almost like a like a burnished brass. But what about the what about the oils? Look at the oils Very gathering much. on the yeah. side of the glass yeah. there. Yeah. That is unctuous. It, these are thick legs running down yeah. these yeah, glasses. This, this whiskey's got legs and it knows how to use them. It does know how to use them. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Okay, so for, just from this 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 point, okay. pick up pick All up right. the one that's oh, over okay. your. I, so am I not allowed to smell your non-traditional am left? I, not, not yet. Oh, not yet. Right. Okay. Not yet. You already gave us the oak, okay. and so I'm just already I'm curious about the oils between the two of them, and I'm curious about the color between the two of them. So the color on this seems to be a tad lighter. And the legs do not appear to be as thick. Like it, it actually, when you tip the, the liquid to the side of the glass, so it coats the side of the glass and then you go back, it starts off almost looking like, you know, a whiskey blanket. And then maybe some legs appear, but they go real quick. I like your, your comment on going real quick. Because, yeah. yeah, the, the oil on sample one passes much slower down yep, the glass. Yep. So and I and I also like what you're saying about a little a little lighter. A little, really yeah. is a, a hair lighter on the right side sample. Yep. Okay. Uh, initial oh, nose on the so on the right sample. I know you gave us I know you gave us oak on the original left. What about on the right side? Huh. Well it, it's I'm getting oak there for sure but this seems to be more grain forward it's not as as mm-hmm. sweet smelling like that there's such a sweetness to to oak like fresh oak mm-hmm. it's got that you know fresh oak has got that brown sugar that vanilla that coconut going on right and I just put my nose back into the first yeah. sample, and I just was thinking brown sugar, <laughs> as you said brown sugar out loud. <laughs> In this? Because yeah. it is. There, there's a sweetness and unctuousness mm. from sample one that isn't as present in sample two. But I I would say that I kind of like sample two a bit more. It's Sample two seems a bit less obvious, and I kind of like that. Um, sometimes obvious is good, but mm-hmm. like when you can detect the grain, see what's going on, right? I, I, a lot of times I use that note crackling oat bran for, for our American listeners. Mm-hmm, they, they, they know that, you know, but it's like sort of sweetened grains, right? Sweetened with honey and, um, and you get that in sample number two, but then behind it, supporting it is that oak where on sample number one, the oak is like jumping up and down, waving its hands. Pay attention to me. <laughs> pay attention to me. You know. So let's let let's push on and give a taste. Uh, what am I tasting? Let's give a give a little sip to sample, sample one. Okay. 
Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I kind of like that. It's still, you know, it's still very sweet, but there's um, there's a citrusy component mid palate that mm. really stays through to finish on it, almost like a like a candied orange peel going on there. I would definitely, actually, I would even go a little farther with you here. I would say chocolate coated candied orange peels on the mid palate oh. of sample. Oh my gosh, we have a, a local chocolatier here in town that makes those they they candy their orange peels and they dip them holy crap it was my father-in-law's favorite sweet treat and tamara occasionally makes can chocolate coated candied orange peels god bless her god bless her (laughs) so so with that particular note Mm. in mind let's dive into sample two Mm. okay because I know on sample one, we talked about more uh, sweeter on the nose, more oak on the mm-hmm. nose. Number two seemed to be a bit more grain forward on the nose, yeah. a slightly subdued mm-hmm. oak on the nose. Now we're talking about this chocolate coated orange peel on the mid palate of sample one. What are you, what are you finding with sample two on the palate? Hmm. That is a horse of a different color. It, it's... Wow, the the palate, <laughs> the palate is almost exactly like the nose, wherein, you know, you've got this grain forward, these grain forward flavors going on, but then it finishes with the sweet oak, just like the nose. You've got the grain forward going on, but you had the sweet oak supporting it in the background. Do you get an herbaceousness from sample two? And so that's where I was going. I was about to take a second sip because I wanted to see if it was herbaceous or almost white tea-like, like sweetened white tea-like. Mm. So let me let me give it another sip. Yeah, for me, I'm always grappling with that dill note and how that dill note manifests itself. And I like your inclusion of, of white tea or, or just even the possibility of it, not that you're saying it's in here, just the possibility mm. of it. Because I think white tea or even green tea would take your herbaceousness in a different direction than a dill. But for me, it's it's the beginnings of dill going on in sample yeah, two. Yeah, see, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting an herbaceousness like that. I'm getting... Oh, okay. I'm almost getting... Like a, a bit of you know, like sassafras leaf, right? Like like mm. like the beginnings of making a root beer, right? Like there is an herbaceousness <laughs> to it, but it's more hearty and less grassy. If that makes sense, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> right? But the, I was just I was busy tasting sample one again. Right, but the, the right there's there's a difference between dill or fennel than there is to like sassafras or uh, I'm trying to think of another sort of sweeter sort of herbaceous kind of thing or like honeysuckle, right? There's a difference between those things. They are herbaceous because they are 
I mean, herbs basically, but there's, it's, it's a sweeter approach to my palate. I'm not getting that dill that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm just saying the beginnings of dill. I'm not saying this is a big, you know, dill pickle experience. Yeah. It's just that kind of softer, more ah, subtle, yeah. you know, you know, still in the pot, fresh dill. So it's not going to dough. It's just the dill. <laughs> a deer? Female deer? <laughs> so talk, talk to me about your finishes between the two of them. Mm. Okay. So anything memorable happening? You know, I'll tell you one thing about this finish. It's one note. Which sample? Sorry, sorry. Sample number two. Mm-hmm. It's one note. Mm-hmm. But it lasts forever. It it is. It's almost. It's almost <laughs> a minty orange peel. It's almost if you were to muddle spearmint leaves with that candied orange peel that we talked about. And it I just lingers. I love your mention of mint because I've got this clarity in the back of my throat. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, if you've just brushed your teeth with a nice peppermint or a spearmint toothpaste, yeah. yep. and then you get this clarity coming up from the back of your throat, that's exactly what I'm experiencing right now. Look at that. I'm not necessarily getting the citrus. I'm not necessarily getting the muddled together. But I've got that clarity of mm. mint. Well, that's a that's a great observation, Joshua. Thank you, thank you. I'm here all week. Tip your yes, you are. Tip your server. Uh, so let me talk. Let's. I'm going to go back to sample number one to to sample the finish on that, or to discover the finish on that. I should say. I'm actually, that is so minty. I'm actually going to take a little sip of black coffee between these two to better judge the finish. Yeah, sample number one gets darker on the finish. It's like ground coffee, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, Honestly, spun- there was no leading the witness here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's ground coffee, it's spun sugar, it's brown sugar, it's... It's demerara, it's molasses, like it's, it really is sort of a heavier kind of sweetness going on there. Um, it's funny, like that, that sample number one I like because it's just sort of brainless and easy. But if you really pay attention, there, there's a lot going on in the finish. And it makes me think of, it makes me think of something Gene Sharness talks about quite a lot gene from warehouse liquors in chicago where he can like a whiskey he can even love a whiskey but if there's no finish mm-hmm. then that whiskey's dead to him right like mm-hmm. you, you you need the whiskey needs to give you something to remember it by and if if the last thing you remember is that it had no finish then it's a bad whiskey and what's interesting about this whiskey is on the nose and palate, it was like, okay, that tastes like bourbon. But then you focus on the finish and it's going deeper and deeper and heavier and showing you different sides of heavy, dark sweetness. That was an intriguing little whiskey. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. Okay. <laughs> As someone who knows what it is, I agree. <laughs> um, I, I like your summation of, of sample one. S- summation of sample two? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it one last nose and then one last sip. It's lighter overall. I think I think on both samples one and samples two, there there is there's a bit of a ride. I should say there's a bit of a lack of ride from nose to palate to finish, in that these booskies are both it's not that they're flat, but they're doing a really good job of saying did you like what you found on the nose? Great, because mm. that's exactly what mm. I'm going to deliver to you on the palate. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would say that while the finish on this is nice and takes on, on the second sample is nice and takes us into a different territory, right? With that, with that muddled spearmint along with the mm-hmm. the candied orange peel. I liked what the finish was doing more on sample one. So I think from a nose to palate to finish journey, I think sample number one is my preferred whiskey, despite it, despite the fact that I usually prefer more grain forward whiskeys, less oh, that's oak interesting. forward whiskeys. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is why it's always wonderful when we have these conversations. Because there are there are oftentimes when you and I are selecting casks, there are so many points of similarity mm. between both of our palettes that essentially with a range of blind samples we'll invariably select the same casks. Mm. But it's so interesting when we have these types of conversations, I think, oh yeah, there are subtle differences between what I really look for and enjoy and what you look for. Like I almost never go for for grain forward. If if we're talking bourbon, yeah. I am looking for oak. I am looking for that subtle herbaceousness in the background. Huh. I am looking for that bit of brown sugar sweetness. Yeah. To have you looking for grain forward, it's really really interesting. It's bec- well, in part it's because I'm an oakophobe. Like Mm. One of my, I love bourbon, I, and I know sometimes, a lot of times when it, when I talk, you know, it's it. I make no bones about it. Malt whiskey is my love first and foremost, and specifically, yeah. Scotch malt whiskey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason why I have that preference is I'm very. I'm very sensitive to astringency and the astringency that new charred oak could bring to bourbon. And so when bourbon gets to eight, nine, 10, 12 years of age, you start dancing with the devil a little bit and you start getting a bit more oaky. And and so that's why I'm, I'm always looking for that grain in the hopes that the grain wins out. And it doesn't taste like I'm just, you know, sucking on burnt popsicle sticks. Oh, no, I, I agreed. Yeah, agreed. You know? I, I do like, I like layers. Hence, I'm saying going for that little bit of herbaceousness, but also with that brown sugar. Right? But I don't you said, want you said you to look be licking for the a oak, stick. Though. 
but I'm, but not to be licking a stick. Okay. Right. Okay. I, I I always trust Oak to frame an experience, yeah. not to be the experience mm. itself. Mm-hmm. So so with both of these in hand, and, I, and I'm not I'm not going to put you on the spot here. It's mm. bourbon, right? There's there's thousands of options here. But is there anything you want to say or offer before I before I make the reveal here? Um, I will say that I think both whiskeys are really well made. Mm. I can't say whether or not they're from the same distillery. I think, and I, and I mentioned this in our very first episode of season one, where I felt as if my overall knowledge of bourbon or American whiskey production, specifically Mm. bourbon and rye, is I felt was not to the level that malt whiskey was. I would even argue that my palate is not up to the level when it comes to bourbon and rye that it is with malt whiskey because I can't, you know, it's obvious when you have a bourbon, you can use wheat in there, you can use rye. Those are your flavoring grains, right? And I can't always discover, oh, you know what, that, I think has more wheat going on there. I think yeah. that's got some yeah. malt going, you know? Yeah. And so I can't tell if these are similar mash bills, different mash bills. <laughs> there, there's, there are differences. Part of me wonders if the difference is simply two different casks doing two different things to the same distillate. Like I want to say that's my hunch, but I could very well be wrong here. I could very well be wrong. <laughs> but, so, but to wrap that up, I think they're both really well-made whiskeys. I, I, I would not kick these out of bed for getting crumbs in the sheets. If you had to buy one, and I know that's always an unfair question. You, you and I sit surrounded by bottles of whiskey. If you had to buy one, which one would you buy? Believe it or not, I would buy sample number one. Okay. I, too, would buy sample number one. Hmm. So to, to clarify a little point you made a, a moment ago was you, you said episode one of season one you oh, talked geez. about. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, my God, has he just re-listened to the very first David Stark episode? <laughs> and then everything you said was from the first episode of this season. Season six. So, yeah, season six. That. The reason I wanted to conduct this blind tasting and have us explore this Mm -hmm. is our last episode with Bruce Russell at Wild Turkey. I asked him on the record a whiskey that I loved and cherished and bought a lot of Mm -hmm. was going away. (laughs) And did he have a, a suggested replacement for said whiskey Mm -hmm. and he did make a recommendation and today we have tasted the whiskey that has simply gone away next to the replacement suggested by bruce russell and each of us has said the replacement doesn't live up to the original selection it's so so as I was nosing and tasting that, I was wondering, is that the Heaven Hill six-year-old? Because there's this, <laughs> there's this sort of softer side to it. But, you know, uh, that's so great. It's a hell of a well-done yeah. whiskey. A $13 yep. bottle, right? 
Yep. <laughs> Six-year-old, bottled in bond, heaven hell, 50% alcohol, which was only available in Kentucky and Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I did pick it up every trip through to Kentucky. And yeah, I, I, when I first started buying this, it was $12 a bottle. When they discontinued it, it was $15 a bottle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But just a cracker. I poured it for everybody coming into my house. I would often pour it blind and say, what would you pay for that? Yeah. And, and invariably people would say 25, 35, which I think we were too successful because when they did discontinue this, <laughs> they replaced it with a seven-year-old that uh, is $40. So yep. uh, damn it, <laughs> too successful. Yeah. And so the replacement as suggested by Bruce Russell, uh, who... And, and again, I think this speaks to how we interact with people, right? Bruce Russell, third generation wild turkey. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about wild turkey till the cows come home. Loves wild turkey. But is also a bourbon guy and a rye guy and a mezcal guy. Mm-hmm. And we've talked to him about other things on the podcast. And as a bourbon guy, he said, well, if you really like the six-year-old Heaven Hill bottled and bond... Give the Evan Williams bottled yeah. and bond a try. Mm-hmm. There's no age statement on this, but it is 50% alcohol. And it's so interesting what you said about that 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 mint, that fresh mint in yeah. the finish. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy with what this Evan Williams is doing. And I, and I don't know what this would be like for you in, in Connecticut. This is, of course, available nationally, and I'd, I'd even hazard a guess to say internationally, but <laughs> eek. <laughs> this is, for the, for the 75 CL, the 750 mil bottle, this is $18 before tax I in do that Virginia. All day long, all day long. $18. $18 uh, here. And I think if you if it got up to twenty two, twenty five, again you'd still be in a wheelhouse of a perfectly quaffable bourbon and a perfectly useful cocktail ingredient. Yeah, yeah, I, you could you could brainlessly drink this, fully enjoying it. You could you know put a couple cubes of ice in there if you wanted to on a hot summer day, or you could make a nice Manhattan. For the record, and for any listeners who are not knowledgeable about bourbon, I'm busy saying it's got no age statement. It is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, and on the label it does say aged at least four years. So yeah, yeah that's, that's what the straight bond, right? means, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, just, so just to be clear, it is. So it was a minimum of of four. The Heaven Hill was a minimum of six. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, that. That did, that did everything I wanted it to do. That, that was, was a load of fun and really tickety boo. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say. I mean, I definitely would not say the Seven Williams directly replaces the six year old Heaven Hill. However, from a price point standpoint, not exactly. so bad. From an exactly. ABV standpoint, not so bad. Is it just as enjoyable? It is an enjoyable little whiskey, right? You can't, you just, you can't argue with it. So there you go. Good bargain, good whiskey. Enjoy. Good recommendation. Yeah, good recommendation. So yeah, thank you, Bruce Russell. 
between the conversation we had with Mo and and the tasting we just had, this this was this was awesome. Um, <laughs> I really, I, 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 I love what we've got going on for season six, and there's so much more to be revealing, including Jason. We got an email recently from from our good friend Ali Chilton, which is so nice. Like, I love it when when you know non-industry listeners write in, <laughs> but when industry listeners write in, it gets it gets real exciting. However. Uh, we've got to close the episode because it's it's been gone on a while. So we've got yeah, this. We've had our fun. We've got the email from Ollie, which we will bring up in next episode. Uh, we promise you, Ollie, we will bring it up. And should you, the listener, want to send in an email, we ho- we hope you do. We try to get to as many emails as possible. Reach out to us, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com, info at singlecastnation.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram, all of that stuff. Uh, gosh, I just don't want to name them all out, Jason. Like, we have all the <laughs> handles, and I'm just like, fucking this, and at that, and psh. You know? Yep, look under a rock. We might be there also. Oh, right next to the salamanders that you find under the rock. <laughs> <laughs> and the diamonds. You Ooh. always find diamonds under rocks. Always. 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 Always just lift a rock. There's a diamond there. That's how I found you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly put me under enough pressure. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jason, this has been a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, forever and always, plus or minus sandwiches. <laughs> and until next time, Jason, unless you have anything to say, I'd like to bid you adieu, as well as our listeners adieu and adieu. Couldn't do it without the listeners. Couldn't do it without you. <sighs> Couldn't do it without Mo. So cheers to you all. Until the next time. Two, two chins. Two chins. In in years past, we've had a regular question that we would ask of everyone, but Jason's been changing it up in the bedroom lately. Um, and, and, and I Talk didn't know, <laughs> you know, just finding different rabbit holes. You never know what happens, right? <laughs> just the tip jar. Anyway, um, hey, oh, who's, who's jar? <laughs> jar, 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 Binks, just the tip jar, jar, Binks. 